The following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch. <laughs> They must be destroyed on sight! You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site Intermission number 25, not a regular episode. I'm your host, Lee Russell, and uh, yeah, I couldn't record a regular episode, so decided to throw this together uh, last minute. There's going to be no editing on this other than me inserting shit into certain places. Otherwise, you're going to hear the ums, you're going to hear the ahs, you're going to hear the coughs, uh, you're going to hear a swear, you're going to all, all that good stuff. And uh this man uh, decided to join me. He uh, offered to join in and uh, sort of pitch hit uh, as a co-host. And so I'm pleased, very pleased to have, once again have on the podcast, Mr. Gary Hill. How you doing, sir? I hope to pitch and catch on this show. Yeah, I'm a generous lover that way, you know. It's, 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 uh, yeah. All the all the sexual all the sexual baseball terms are uh, yes. included here. So. Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm I'm glad to be here. It's been it's been too long, so I'm glad to hang out with you. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, we're just going to be doing a uh, what we've watched lately thing. So uh, th- this is a special episode for you fuckers on YouTube who really hate listening to the preamble on the regular podcasts. Uh, I, I hope to get a lot of hate comments on this once I put it on YouTube. So uh, that'll, that'll be fun. I- our listeners throughout on YouTube, please comment correctly. We love you, I guess, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. They do they do provide uh endless uh like moments of entertainment for me. This this isn't the fucking movie. Um what what other famous comments are on the the yeah. Mercy just read on site message board there, I couldn't tell you, couldn't tell you, but um <laughs> that's a that's a common one I think. This isn't the fucking movie. Yeah. yeah. Most most people just want the movie for free and uh, when I ain't giving it to them, they're really pissed off. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> feel real bad too, man. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're gonna just take a quick musical break and maybe play some podcast promos. Maybe some podcast promos related to this gentleman here who's joining me tonight. Maybe. Yeah. And uh, then we're gonna come back and talk about what we watched lately. Place. My name is Gary and I am your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, and listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. Three, be nice. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Cinema Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. 
How about throwing a little beach party for yourself and letting these people to get to know you oh so better? Hey kids, it's me, your good friend Alistair, here to tell you about a wonderful movie podcast called Get Soft with Dr. Snuggles. What happens is, every two weeks, the love of my life, Siobhan, and I are joined by a cast of friends, family, internet weirdos, and special guests to guide you through the wild and woolly world of erotic thrillers and softcore films. Everything from alien abduction, intimate secrets, to Zarita, Passions Avenger, and all points in between. Check it out now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's that horrid man talking about? have a little list of stuff we wrote down for what we've watched lately and uh we're not gonna you know necessarily split it up and into any levels of importance here just gonna be very casual uh chat about this stuff so uh we're just gonna take turns and uh i'll throw to you first there gary oh i'll I'll start at the top of my no i'll start at this one because it's a it's a newish and he, he puts out so many of these now new nicholas cage movie Oh, called, called Primal. It's a. Uh, it was limited in theaters, but is now VOD accessible. If you guys want to watch it, um, Nick Cage uh, plays a, a big game hunter who hunts things to sell to zoos or in, in habitats or whatnot. You know, he's he, huh. he, uh, in this uh, this go around in um, Brazilian rain, rainforest, aka Puerto Rico, as it says in the credits. Uh, <laughs> he. he he finds the rare white jag, as he says. Uh, you know, because he's going to get twice as much money for this white jag as uh, he would the regular jag. So he uh, captures this animal amongst some other randos. There's some monkeys in there and uh, a pig, I believe. I watched this a couple weeks ago, but I, I remember everything that needs to be known about this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he gets he gets on board this uh, shipping boat, and aboard the shipping boat... Um, uh, he has an, um, a hiccup, if you will, because the government is transporting uh, a, a prisoner, uh, a criminal or whatnot, played by Kevin Durand, who some folks may know from um, 
the strain. He played the the, the rock catcher guy. The, the, oh the, right, yeah. But he's in he's in a bunch of other stuff. He's a great character actor. But um, yeah, they're transporting him. Uh, Famke Johnson is an is an agent, and uh, <laughs> Michael Imperioli, who's Christopher the, Christopher from the Sopranos, is yeah. an agent. Yeah, and um, so they're gonna bring this criminal because they have no other way to transport him except on this same boat where Nick Cage is transporting his animals. Uh, and uh, t- take him to to justice. I don't give a fuck where they're taking him. It, it, it's just I'm, I'm getting into why, okay? But um, <laughs> this guy gets loose, of course, because he's 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 crazy, and you know he's he's in the side of his cage, and he he lets all of Nick Cage's animals loose. I guess to oh. cause a ruckus aboard the boat, but not really because he's just gonna like play with levers on the boat and make the boat go crazy too. This movie, okay. let me let me get to it. This would be fine if it was just. Nick Cage had animals on a boat and they got loose and they went crazy. Yeah, but they throw this other element in to to to, to where to, to shake things up where it doesn't need to be shaken up by having this criminal get loose and because half the, half the movie is Nicholas Cage trying to corral these animals and the white jaguar attacking people, which is mm-hmm. fun, but it's, it's it's CG tiger, of course. Yeah, no, no real animals were harmed in the making of this film, I'm sure. Like another film I'm going to talk about, I which I wasn't sure about, but um, <laughs> but if they had that, that 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 where the animals go crazy like a snakes on a plane situation with Nick yeah. Cage, this this would be good, but you you have two movies going at once. You have that. You have this this man on the boat, this criminal on the boat, who's just causing causing a ruckus, people, and really boring. Like too, not even like there's no real peril in this movie except people dying. Of course, he's the, there's the eventual double cross, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> yeah, but there is a it's a movie. It's it's not it's not wonderful, but it's worth a, a red box rental. Yeah, just for just for the the scene alone where um, Nick Cage is using a blow dart in a couple scenes, and one of which he's knocking down little monkeys off off the, <laughs> the racks so he can capture them, and <laughs> little CG monkeys, and um, uh, yeah. The, that's a Nick Cage movie that he makes today, and it, it's it, it could have been so much more, but it wasn't. So I had to give it a rating. I give it about a four out of ten. So I can't believe how he hasn't paid off his fucking bankruptcy yet. Like <laughs> how how long has he been making these uh, little shitty direct to like VOD movies now? Like uh... I, I would I would I would I would think that you know it's more of a freedom thing, like. He's like, yeah, I can make these little shit projects when I when, like I, I can pick and choose basically, and or, is it, the, or is it that no one, or is it that no one wants to touch him now because he's made so many VOD? They're, they're talking National Treasure Three with him aboard, oh, really? so mm-hmm. oh. so I don't think he's out of it yet. I mean, it, anybody who's seen Into the Spider Verse is a would disagree with all of us, right? Yeah, now I guess. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He is one of the best parts of that movie. Oh yeah, he is. So, so maybe he, he really is in a position now where he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. Kind of like Travolta, you know. It's, oh, which, which, you know, the fanatic. You you loved it or you hated it. I'm I'm yeah. in the middle. Okay, I'm on the fence because you know it's something so much different than he did before, and I, I I can appreciate that. I didn't even I didn't even put that on my list, but like that's I, I'm not gonna that, go crazy about it. But yeah, go for it. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say like that is. On all accounts, should be like the worst movie of the year, <laughs> and it's kind of really entertaining, even yeah. though it's really bad. <laughs> on, on paper, on paper, it sounds like a piece of garbage. Yeah, but it, it's, yeah. he was really excited about making it though and promoting it. So there's that, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you got them Scientology dollars, I guess you can do whatever the fuck you want. But uh, man, that that fucking haircut, that's just yeah. That's special. That's unfortunate. Oh, you said special. That's bad, man. That's bad. Well, I'm, no. I think, <laughs> I think, I think there's definitely some groups of people would definitely have a lot of problems with the way Travolta portrays a uh, yeah. special person in that uh, that movie. But uh, it should have got a real one, damn it! What's wrong with your people? No. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's, like, it's like ScarJo all over again with the trans person, you know, right? Know. Yeah. Uh, although you know. It, it is nice to see Devin Sawa again in something. Yeah. I hear he's yeah. a nice guy. I've never met him myself. I hear he's a nice guy. 
looks totally different now. He he's unlike Topher Grace, he actually grew out of looking like a nerdy little kid. <laughs> Topher. I'm sorry, your turn, brother. What would you watch? Um okay, first one I'll mention is uh it came from beneath the sea from 1955. And uh this is one of those um sci-fi monster films with Harryhausen effects. Cool. Um and it's not great. Like it's it's definitely one of the lesser ones because it doesn't have a lot of like the monster is a giant octopus that comes out of like uh out of a trench or something because uh its natural food source was eliminated. Uh I can't remember what it was by. I think it was by a actually by a nuclear bombs like killed its food supply. Well, it's the, it's the 50s. Yeah, you get the nuclear uh monster. Yeah. Although, uh, at least to its credit, the monster isn't growing, isn't its size because of nuclear radiation. It's just a giant fucking octopus. Like, it's just a big kraken motherfucker. Um, and it, it starts, you know, hauling ships down. And, of course, you got your uh, you got your military guy who's in charge. You got your scientist who's trying to figure shit out. And, you, of course, you got your female scientist who becomes, you know, like the love interest. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's what you do, right? Those movies, you know? yeah. And I will say, like, the, the female is presented like much more, uh, she, she's got more, um, she's got more to do in this film than in a lot of these films where she's just kind of a placeholder as the love interest or whatever. Here, yeah, she's yeah. she's much they, more interesting. They were doing that though, I like in, um, in them, they did that quite mm-hmm. a bit. The female had a much more bigger role. In, we did the giant claw on the show, and she had a much bigger role in that movie too. The female love interest slash uh, science gal, you know, right? <laughs> uh, but it's interesting. There's a love triangle in this film because she's sort of torn between the uh, the other scientist and the military guy. And oh, I was going to hope you see the other scientist and the giant squid. That'd be amazing, you know. <laughs> and and it's weird. Like they're kind of cool with it. Like they're very adult about it. Like the scientist guy at the end is like. Eh, well, you're you're more into the military guy, so I guess you guys will go off and fuck. And uh, you know, you kind of expect like, oh, well, the scientist guy has to die to get out of the way, so the female scientist can then have the relationship with the military guy. Yeah. And that I formula, think that formula still still goes today. Yeah, and I I guess that's probably the biggest problem with this film is that they spend too much time on this love triangle. Yeah. And not enough time on a giant octopus pulling fucking ships down to the bottom. Well, of the sea. you know what? To, to, to fill time, I'd imagine back in those days, because I right. imagine your giant squid effects were very limited. Well, so. I mean, like it's Harryhausen, so you know he's animating every goddamn tentacle. Mm-hmm. So imagine the amount of time it would probably take him just to do one sequence of a, of a ship being pulled down yep. by an octopus, right? So that's for sure. Uh, but it's it's all right. It's one of the lesser ones, uh, I'd say. It's it's not as engaging as uh, some of the Harryhausen stuff, but uh, I like it quite a bit. Cool. Um, second thing on this list that I watched, um, uh, St. Bernard, I watched this today, and um, hmm. th- this is a movie. <laughs> I would say this is a movie. This is a movie about a, a composer of sorts who ironically has a sensitivity to sound so oh. it, it slowly drives him mad. I'm trying to trying to explain what I think the plot of this movie is because it doesn't make any <laughs> fucking sense. So um, amongst his madness, he he wanders around and he finds a, a carcass of a Saint Bernard. Yeah. So he starts calling himself Saint Bernard because that's his that's his name Bernard, and carries <laughs> around this this carcass with him, which is basically a head and and part of the torso, and that's all. Oh. It is. So the question I had, is it a real St. Bernard? I don't know. That's the scary part because it looks so real. What year is this from? It's from 2013. I would have to think not a real St. Bernard, but I mean, if it's maybe if it's like a low-budget independent film, maybe. Well, it's made by uh, a creature guy whose name I forgot already, so I'm going to look at it again right now. Oh. Gabriel, Gabriel Bartalos, who uh, did a lot of makeup effects and, and special effects for... Um, Frank Henenlotter for brain damage and um oh yeah he did a, a, the bulk of the series for the Leprechaun series this is why he got Warwick Davis for like five minutes in this movie for okay. no reason at all and what what else Dark Man he he worked uh for Rick Baker on the Gremlins too and oh. yeah he did, did a lot of he worked on dolls there's lots of stuff he worked on that were great makeup effects 
Oh, and, I gotta um, think. I gotta think the Saint Bernards. It's just a prop, then. Like, it, yeah, I, I, I hope so. I'm, I'm, I'm praying so. But so it, it all leads up to like him, like wandering. He meets random people in junkyards, mm-hmm. and this, this rant, this, this. this she called herself the Roadkill Queen. Uh, fucking plows him for no reason in this movie. <laughs> then she loses her legs in a, in a car crash, and she runs her legs over. Which is a real. It, this guy has to be a real amputee that ran her legs over. I don't know he's driving the van, of course. But you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's just, there's some stupid, I, I read an Amazon review for this movie that, oh, the core effects are exemplary. Like, what, the two that she got? That the, the girl's legs and, you know, a little something later on where the creature doesn't make any sense? Because at the, the, the end of the movie, it, it leads to like a, like, I like, I said, I'm going to say a, a less, a, a less, a real shitty Tetsuo the Iron Man. But oh. that would be me saying that I don't like Tetsuo the Iron Man. I like Tetsuo the Iron Man. Yeah. But this is, this turns into something really stupid in the end, where he something with his, I, I never watched his watches movie, so I'm gonna explain sort of this at the end of the movie, okay? Yeah. Throughout the movie, he has flashbacks of this guy who I think, which I think it was his father, maybe, like teaching him how to use the baton and command the crowd. But this guy <laughs> shows up again. He's got like a saxophone attached to his hand and shit, what? And, and a big phallic something on his crotch. Wow. I'm guessing he wants to fuck his son. I guess I don't know what's going on in this movie, but this 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 Saint Bernard head has nothing to do with any of it. This is there. This is there. But it's all over. It's all over the box art, and this guy you can tell that he he wears the directors he worked for on his sleeve in this movie. Like he's yeah. trying he's trying to throw a lot of stuff against the wall, but nothing's sticking. Whereas if you see crazy shit in a headliner film. He's like, oh, it's a head of lotter film. We'll leave it alone because it's just yeah. the kind of films that he makes. But he established himself as as that kind of director, and um, this is what you expect from him. This yeah. was just a big old amalgamation of shit, you know, from stuff that he learned or, or didn't learn. Or I'm gonna go with didn't learn from the people they worked for, <laughs> which is ample. You look, you look at the guy's credits for makeup effects. He worked for many awesome people in mm. many awesome films. But as a writer, a writer, director, and producer of Saint Bernard, it is a real piece of shit, and I'm not even going to rate it because it it is not good. It's not good. <laughs> Sounds like a really bad uh, English remake of Tokyo Gore Police or something like. But it's, it's a road movie. It, it reminds me of Evil Ed a bit. The, the, oh the, yeah, the, plot, the way that plot works. But in the end, in the last act of the film, Evil Ed is killing motherfuckers very brutally. Mm-hmm. So it makes up for the the subpar. Okay, he's slightly going mad from editing videos, but you you get a payoff in the end. This ha- this doesn't have that. So, you know what i I need to watch this, even though you said it's terrible. Do it. Um, Do it. <laughs> and I, I hope I hope my uh, I hope my friend and uh, fellow co- uh, podcaster Matt Simpson is listening to us right now on this episode because this sounds like something for uh, Movie Melt. Uh, it is, it yeah. is, man. I don't know. I can't say that it sucks because I don't, I just don't know what to make of it. Yeah, it's it's a movie that doesn't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, next one I'll mention is uh, "Never So Few" from 1959, and uh, this is a uh, war the Sinatra, movie. Sinatra joint. This one is, or this is the Sinatra film that where he has a beatnik, uh, beatnik uh, goatee or chin nice. whiskers at least, <laughs> and. Uh, and he's and this is the one where he sort of stepped aside and let uh, Steve McQueen sort of get his first uh, like big screen time, uh, you know, in a, in like a major film, you know, that wasn't the Blob or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, and it's a terrible war movie. <laughs> it's it's not very good. Um, I I'd say it's on the level of something shitty like uh, the Green Berets or something along those lines, although it's not you know necessarily as full of uh, propaganda and shit like that, like that film was. Um, the biggest problem with this one is there's this love interest for Sinatra, and I swear the plot between uh, him and his love interest takes up at least half the fucking film. And so, like, half the time you're like, is this a war movie like i want to see steve mcqueen and frank sinatra like killing a bunch of uh i, I guess they're fighting the japanese uh and uh, or maybe it's the korean war i can't remember which war it was but i, I want to see them 
fighting a bunch of them and, you know, and some sort of like uh, tough as nails, uh, proto dirty dozen action film kind of thing. And no, there's a couple scenes that are like that, but for the most part, it's just, oh, Frank Sinatra really digs this chick. Just padding it out, man. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's really not good. I, I can see why, like, I think Frank Sinatra is a decent actor. Like, I thought he was a pretty decent actor in some of the films he's in, but... I, I, I still haven't done the... the, 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 the and we're going to do the the, 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 the... the detective, I'm sorry. I'm fucking <laughs> my words. The Detective, I hear, is a good film. I haven't watched yet. Yeah, The Detective is good. And, I mean, he's he's pretty good in Von Ryan's Express and uh, and then a couple other roles, that, like, you know, Ocean's Eleven and shit like that. But um, this just felt like, oh, we're, we're really pushing to make Frank Sinatra this romantic lead, so let's do it in this war, this fucking war movie, and let's, like, put the war shit way in the background. And it's it doesn't work at all. Like, and honestly, does anyone in the audience back in the day do they want to see Frank Sinatra romancing some chick, or do they want to see him killing a bunch of people in a, you know like in World War Two or whatever? And it's well, like if, if they do the real Frank, they won't be turned on at all because the real Frank is a piece of shit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, no one knew the real Frank back then except for like the Rat Pack and the mobsters that he was yeah. affiliated with. <laughs> but you know. Um, it, the the novelty of seeing Frank Sinatra with the chin whiskers is kind of fun, but the movie just drags, and it's probably not worth watching. I think you were still stuck in that like late fifties, early to mid sixties. You've done these films before, mm-hmm. you know, where you got like a guy like Frank Sinatra or fucking Elvis, you know, to where you say he's got to get the girl, and I'm sure this was yeah. in Frank's contract that he's got to get the girl, probably, yeah. <laughs> I imagine it is, but it's like, man, it most of the movie is getting the girl. Like they might, they might, they might as well just had made this movie like he's a gambler at a casino and he's romancing a woman or something. You know, something that can you, you can focus on the romance and then have some cool shit happen in the background. But this is like a war movie in 1955, and you don't have a lot of war shit going on. So it's just really a confusing mess I found. And it's, and it's kind of sad because it's like, you know, Steve McQueen's the best thing in the film. He's, he's just rocking it. And it's like, wow. <laughs> you gave him all well, the screen what, time. He's what, like, he's what, like four years out of Great Escape at this point, right around there? Uh, what, when, when was the Great Escape? I, th- I want to say it was like 63, right around oh, well, there. Well, this is, this is way before Great Escape. Um, this is 55, so... Oh, 55, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. no, uh, 59, net 59. But still before Great Escape, I'm pretty yeah. sure. But, yeah. Yeah, before um, he really got big, you know, Papillon, Cincinnati mm-hmm. Kid, Great Escape, you know, the stuff that, stuff that made him the star bullet, for Christ's sake, in 67, I think it was. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So he's, yeah, still, he's still very much supporting here, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, this, was, this was like, you know, kind of, you know, a uh, big Frank Sinatra movie. And here's the here's the co-star, and he's the new leading man who's coming up in the ranks. And let's mm-hmm. give him some screen time. Apparently, they didn't want to give him as much screen time. And Frank Sinatra, like, stepped aside and said, no, give this guy a, 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 a bit of a shine, you know? Like, fucking let people see him. Cool. Cool. Oh. What's next on my list here? Um, Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go. I could have that re- reversed. <laughs> we both love the hero stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that Teen Titans Go surprised me quite a bit. I thought I thought I was gonna hate it, but then I started to dive into the cartoon show, and I just started getting all the adult jokes that aren't meant for kids; they're meant for us to f- follow, like. Oh yeah, have, having a whole Oregon Trail episode. I mean, the kids wouldn't get that, <laughs> but you know, you and me would be like, "Yeah, this is fucking amazing," because you know they're all you know they're all going to die of dysentery in the end. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> but um, this movie it it takes um the original I guess Kit WB or Kids WB whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, Teen Titans cartoon, and uses the multiverse and and flips it on its head because it makes fun of it this whole movie. And you gotta love that. And um, brings them together and and makes them battle each other, oh, yeah. you know, for a supervillain's uh, chagrin. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give too much away about this because it's, it's too much fun. I mean, these these films like these are all about fan service. Yeah. So they they play with like uh, the multiverses that I mentioned, 
in which they have a whole scene at the end where they rib on a, a certain Marvel film, and they bring all these iterations of Teen Titans together. You have, like, steampunk <laughs> titans. You have Neil Adams-drawn Teen Titans coming out yeah. to play. It's just stupid fun, and I, I recommend it to anybody who loves, you know, hero films who make fun of other hero films because there's a there's an epic bumper in the end that just rips on Batman v Superman and is <laughs> hilarious. It's fucking hilarious as shit. Oh, I'm um, check this out then. Yeah, oh, it's, it's really good, man. It's 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 on the account. I'll tell you, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, because um. I was never like interested necessarily checking out the Teen Titans Go thing because it's like oh it's that weird like samurai pizza cats anime stuff that did you did you watch Teen Titans Go to the movies? No, I haven't. It's like one of my favorite movies of that year, and I, I recommend it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Like I I have been enjoying like the uh, you know the the recent uh, the recent line of DC movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that are you know that con- continuity with with the Teen Titans and you got uh, Batman's uh, son Damien as as the Robin in it and yeah I uh, dig it I'm digging it yeah for sure yeah I, I do like those a lot so yeah I'll, I'll probably check this out when I'm looking for something uh, a little bit more fun cool yeah, yeah that's it for that one all right uh, next one I'll mention uh, I finally bought my copy and rewatched a couple times now uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, cool. from, this, from this year, and I'm starting to think this might be my favorite Quentin Tarantino film. I think it might have nudged uh, Jackie Brown out of uh, out of the number one spot for me. I'm really falling in love with this fucking film, man. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a bold statement for me right there. You know, but if I had to pick a, you know, damn, that's rough. But yeah, it's it's up there. It's it's probably in the top four for sure. But. Uh, Hasn't replaced Jackie yet for me. I had to watch yeah. it a couple more times. I'm I'm really getting into it. Like it's it just feels like a combination of everything Quentin Tarantino's kind of done in all of his previous films and kind of what what he's always been sort of building up to. Like it almost feels like this should be his last film. Like I, I can't see him topping this honestly. Like it, it it feels like this is everything he's wanted to say about Hollywood and all the geeky shit he loves because it's all in this film. And again, it's got the uh, historical, um, you know, uh, rewriting history here with, you know, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. And if you haven't seen it yet, you're, I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, but, you know. Look, look for the Marin, Mark Marin interview with Bruce Dern because mm-hmm. he has a nice story about his role in this movie, you know, because <laughs> um, Tarantino is waiting for, you know, what, 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 Jack Nicholson heralded as, as as a Dernsey. Yeah. Which is like a, a you have to look this up, people. It's hard for me to explain. But it's like an involuntary thing that Bruce Dern does in like every movie. And Jack Jack Nicholson get, named it the Dernsey way back in the day. And Quentin Tarantino was waiting for his Dernsey and it happens and Bruce Dern explains it in in, in, the, in the interview. So I, I recommend you check it out. <laughs> um Yeah, uh, fuck like you know. Uh, I I see some people critical of like um, uh, Margot <laughs> Robbie's yeah. portrayal in in this, like how Quentin didn't give her a lot to do, and I think people are kind of missing the point of what he's it's, doing here. It's really like, a, it's really a small part of the movie. Mm, it, it it's it's critical but small at the same time. Yes, because the the movie isn't meant to be taken as like straightforward reality. Like it's, it's supposed to be kind of a fairy tale in a way. Like it's, it's very much like um, once upon a time, in the West or something like that, where it's more mythology and fairy tale than it is like straight. Uh, here's, here's a true crime film or, or some bullshit like that. Right. And she's supposed to represent what could have been in an idealized version of Hollywood. Like she's kind of the bridge between old Hollywood and new Hollywood and like those things coming together. And, and, and the fact that he doesn't dwell too much on her, um, as a person, like he basically just gives her like a, like a perfect day and you get to see a little bit of her character and stuff and how sort of pure she is and like the purity of her. She's a commodity really, you know, and if you, you, you see how they cut trailers, you know, nowadays, mm -hmm. you know, she was very prominently displayed in the trailer, Yeah, which, which is fine, but I'm sure... Quentin Tarantino did not cut his own trailer. 
or must have probably been wildly different than it is what you saw. Yeah, but I mean, I, I I'm actually like really happy with the way they presented her in that and the what they used her for in that. Like, you know, some people are gonna like, oh, she should have been, you know, she had she should have had more lines and. She should have been, you know, this uh, really strong female character and stuff like. And I think she actually is. It's just that she's not, she's not presented as like, you know, the the female lead necessarily as like a heroine or anything like that in the film. She's presented as a sort of a symbolic thing in the film more than anything else. And uh, your your heroes are <laughs> Rick Dalton and. Cliff Booth. Uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> and fucking Jesus Christ, I want this pairing again in a movie because, uh, you know, as cliche as it is to say, it is very much like a um, uh, Robert Redford and, uh, uh, goddamn, why am I blanking? Um, <laughs> Paul Newman? Paul Newman. Yeah, it's very much kind of that level of like uh, sort of team. And they're so good together. It, like you buy them as friends, like I'll, right off I'll, the bat. I'll give me that, you know, because yeah. I'm waiting for Brad Pitt to sing next, though, because you know that I, I need that in my life sometimes. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no, I, I loved it. I love seeing the fucking Manson family get their comeuppance. I love the fact that it doesn't dwell on Charles Manson because too many movies do, and I think that piece of shit doesn't deserve the fucking uh, spotlight at all. Um, well, they 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 did they they did the Billy Joel version of this. I'm going to say, I mean, they 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 <laughs> captured that point in time in that particular area of the world really well. Mm-hmm. Kind of like then, kind of like what Summer of Sam did in a way. They, they they it wasn't just about the son of Sam that they captured that neighborhood and everything was going on in the in the, in the zeitgeist of that particular moment right. in time. I think that I, I can compare the two, you know, really, if I, if I think about it. I, I'm not going to say one's better than the other one because I like them both, but if I had to pick another film that, that kind of did that, you know, I think Spike Lee did it real well with Summer of Sam, making not just about the killer, but making it about, you know, the neighborhood and the people in it and the city itself and uh, did, did real well with that too. Yeah, I, I, I feel like too many uh, sort of TV series and, and movies you know, when when they when they do true crime stuff, they focus too much on the killers, and it, it should be more about the people like trying to catch them and, and the people who are victimized by them. Like those are the stories that should be told, and not oh how uh, interesting this this serial killer is. Like no, they're not they're not that interesting. They're fucking deranged, and they should be they should be you know just not not given the spotlight. I think that uh, they get and and sort of pop culture and stuff these days. So. Yep. I agree, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that. Yeah. That's that, man. Whose turn is I don't even know, man. Your uh, turn now, a, man. My turn now. Uh, I'm going to go more in depth on um, something I'm going to record about this movie. So I'm going to keep this light here. It's in the mm-hmm. title. I watched blinded by the light and I watched it more than one time because, um, and I'm not even a Springsteen fan. <laughs> but I became I became kind of one after watching this movie because yeah. uh, Blinded from the Light is a movie that was directed by I'm not going to try to butcher this person's name, but the same person that made Bennett like Beckham made this movie. It uh, tells the tale of um, a Pakistani boy who lives in India, who lives in a uh, in, in England in uh, a village called Luton, and um, he pretty much lives on the the, the rich side lives on one side, the poor side lives on the other side of the street. Literally, like there's mm-hmm. that much of a culture clash there. So he um he's a, he's an aspiring poet and writer, but he doesn't have confidence in himself. But uh, until he meets another Pakistani boy in his class, oh, he's a he's a sick um, uh, yeah, I what country, but another uh, Indian uh, fellow that's in his class who introduces him to Bruce Springsteen's music, and um he listens to the lyrics and the lyrics uh, go along with you know the, the feelings he's having in the movie basically. But he discovers that he has a lot more in common with this American singer-songwriter than he ever thought he would. And uh, mm-hmm. it changes his life forever. And I, I think it's a really uh, – it's, it's a film I needed at the time, for one thing, because I, I have fucking multiple emotions going right now. You know why, yeah. I won't get into that. But um, it's, a, it's, it's just a great, great ride. And I, I, I told my friend – my, my friend and your friend, Jeffrey X. Martin, I was like – 
it really depends how much you can stand Bruce Springsteen. So if you really hate Bruce Springsteen, you might not enjoy the movie. Because <laughs> I know people out there that they're like they like diehard hate him. Oh, it's fucking garbage. Like, yeah, well, you're not. He's not singing Streets of Philadelphia in this movie. It's a lot of like the, the older tracks that you probably enjoy. And like I said, it goes it goes along with the story of what's happening to this character. Um, Javed is, is the boy's name. And, uh, and he gets confidence. He gets a girl. And I, 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 I really dig it. And I recommend people see it because I think it's a great film. Oh, that sounds good, actually. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter what the fucking art is. Um, any, any, anytime you see like a film where like uh, the, the story is some sort of art, whether it be music or a book or a movie or something like that, inspires a person and actually like changes them dramatically for the better. I always like that kind of story. Yeah, this, this has this has that in space. I, I hope you check it out and tell me what you think about it. You know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's definitely on my list now. Awesome. Hmm. So, um, I guess we'll just move to this one. I think we both have this on our list. Uh, the Irishman. Yes. Yes. It's on both of our lists. Yes, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like this. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's fucking long as shit. Is this his longest film? Scorsese? Uh, it could be. It doesn't feel like it though. Cause it flows very well. It does. The acting's so good. Like you, you won't know where the three and a half hours went. Seriously, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, it's like the Lawrence of Arabia of, of mob movies because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's it's long. And yeah, I say I, I'm not going to watch Lawrence of Arabia. It's three and a half hours long. You know, it doesn't feel like it either. So it's just yeah. I I felt like man, it's it, it feels like you know that one last ride for you know De Niro, Pacino, uh, Pesci. And with Scorsese, and then you got a little Keitel in there as well, and then you got a bunch of other people. Um, got great <laughs> actors. Fucking uh, Jim Norton playing Don Rickles at one point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was made for that. He was born for that fucking role. God damn. Bo- Bobby Carnival there. I love that actor. So that, that made me happy. Mm-hmm. This is really, it's really fucking good. Like, and I mean, the actors are so good that you you forgive the fact that Pacino looks sounds nothing like Jimmy Hoffa. You just kind of buy him because he kind of gets the mannerisms down anyways, you know? Um, And I just enjoyed the, like, I don't care about like the historical accuracy of this. Like it's, it's basically just based on uh, the titular Iron Man, uh, Irishman's uh, account of what he did in his life and what he is responsible for and all this shit, whether it's true or false doesn't matter. It's just a great story either way. And so you see all these sort of historical true life characters brought together. Um, all these mafia guys, like you, you go through the cast list and you look at the characters they are playing, you look them up, you can get all kinds of these true crime websites talking about all these guys and how they died and all this shit. And um, I thought it was a really good sort of meditation on uh, what happens to bad people when they get old. And, you know, when, uh, sometimes some of them get away scot-free and they have great lives and they, they die surrounded by friends and family. And sometimes, and probably most of the times, uh, really bad, nasty people tend, if they manage to get old, they have no friends, they have no family, and their life is fucking shit. And that's kind of what this film is about. And, and in one scene, the kid can't eat bread anymore, which is detrimental to an Italian, you know. Mm. <laughs> There's a scene in this movie where, and one of the big shining points of this movie is the de aging technology they used. Yeah. And then the aging makeup they used for for Joe Pesci and everybody. And oh my god, it's it's phenomenal. And mm-hmm. you, can see, you can see where that money went. But there's a scene where um, they're in prison. Joe Pesci's character and Robert De Niro's character, and they're having lunch. And of course, they have a giant loaf of bread like you yep. would at an Italian table. And <laughs> he's like. But she's like, I, I got no teeth. I can't eat the bread. I can't eat the bread. <laughs> you know, it's like they're dipping it in, in, in what they call the good grape juice, which I'd imagine some kind of vino or something, you know, <laughs> some kind of Italian toilet wine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, toilet wine of some sort. <laughs> but um, I just think it's, that, that that's the little things like that. Like, yeah, fuck, can't even fucking bread. The fucker's so bad off, you can't eat bread no more. That's, uh, that's sad, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, but at the same time, you know, like, it's kind of interesting. So they got the, they sort of have that Irish mobster machismo thing 
where they never let their spirit get broke. So, like, even when they're in prison, like, there's it, it's it's kind of a juxtaposition from earlier where you know they're they're living the high life and they're breaking good bread and they're drinking great wine and stuff, and then they're in prison and they're drinking the toilet wine and they're eating whatever shitty bread they get in fucking prison, and even then they're like telling each other, "Hey, this is the best stuff." man like th- this is the life is it not you know like, we're sitting here we're enjoying our bread we're enjoying our wine got no cares in the world this is good stuff they're you know, they're both lying to each other but at the same time you know they'll they'll never admit that they're lying to each other yeah <laughs> yeah it did, it did a real good job you know and taking like this this is every man you know who, who goes who inadvertently turns into a life of crime but basically says you know what i got some sides of beef you want them mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah that kind of deal and yeah, tells a story and tells, I, I, you know, I, I love the way that basically they got Pesci into this movie is that Bobby D said that we're never going to make another one of these, you think? And he says, okay, <laughs> I'm sure that's all it was. Yeah. They got him back, you know, because it was the right movie for the right time because he was very much retired at this point. And yeah, I think for like- somebody who's been away for so long, it's, it's not like, you know, is that like saying, oh, he's been away for so long, so you think it's really good? Like, no, it, it is that good of a performance. Yeah. You know, and that he's back to do this one thing. So this is going to be his last thing, I think. It, it'd be really great to see, to go out on, on this. And and these are, these are Oscar-worthy performances. Like, this isn't just, oh, Martin Scorsese and his crew going on cruise control. Like, they fucking bring it. Yeah. He brought he brought Robbie Robertson to do the score. That's real mm-hmm. fine. A lot of the Erwin Winkler is producing again, so it's all it's all like in the family in this Scorsese realm. Yeah. So if you got three and a half hours to set aside, and I I would recommend it. I'd say watch The Irish, but I don't want to give away crazy details about. Yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 good. It's it's worth it's worth the the wait. It's worth the hype, and uh, yeah, check it out. Yeah, it was a ple- pleasant surprise. Like I was kind of thinking, oh, this might be, this might be a chore. But no, it was really good, really, really good. Uh, go to you next. Well, you know me, much like uh, a lot of the other people in our in our circles have have picked up Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. So all you Disney Plus haters out there, you are hating for no reason because it is exemplary. For, for a launch to have as much stuff as they have on there. Uh, one of which is probably the best Star Wars project they've had in a while. That's yep. ripped off of an Asian property, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, the, the Mandalorian is is really fucking enjoyable. It's a nice piece of episodic TV. Yep. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, I'm sure you've seen the baby Yoda memes all over the place. Yeah. And, uh, he, he is adorable. I'm not hating, but um. If you watch this, you, you'll know that it's it's Lone Wolf and Cub is what it is. Yeah, it really is. And in a really good way, you know, because I'd, I'd imagine Mr. Favreau would say, yep, we've seen this, and yeah, we, 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 we took bits of this, and, you know. I mean, I mean, they're... They... They they uh they're not hiding what they rip off. I mean the the fourth episode is basically a condensed version of Seven Samurai, and you just have two samurai instead of seven. Yep. So really fucking good though. I, it, I, yeah. I, I I I didn't really like the CG um eight uh, uh Imperial Walker though. I don't want to get the name wrong of the the Walker. Yeah, type. the uh, at it's the ATST, isn't it? I think the ATST. Yeah, with with the red eyes. Yeah, but I mean, I just I like I I love Star Wars when Star Wars is about the people outside of the main Skywalker bullshit because mm-hmm. I've seen enough of that, and I mean even the 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 original trilogy has this aesthetic of the the edge of the galaxy where things aren't so great where people are just you know uh, sort of straggling you know they're just getting by. Um, and this is this is a period uh, that makes it just perfect to make it basically spaghetti western in outer space because this is the edge of the galaxy. The empire has fallen. There's still imperial holdouts here and there. There's the new republic, but they don't have any law enforcement powers uh, really anywhere. 
So it's like everything's open game for anyone who wants to be, you know, wants to take the opportunity to like get a piece of the pie. And <laughs> what and, I heard, what I heard that Werner Wordsong or song is is uh, was going to be a Star Wars project. Yeah, I, I would call myself a fucking liar in a second, but there he is. Yep. You know, and it, it, he's the one that saved because they didn't want that fucking baby Yoda on the show, and he's mm-hmm. the one that saved that that fucking cute little green thing to be on the show. You know. Yeah, although he, he criticizes the fact that it's CGI. It's like, the CGI Baby Yoda is a disgrace, and it is done by cowards. It's like, need, need, need a puppet in there, you know. <laughs> give me Kevin Clash. <laughs> I am Werner Herzog, and give me my check right now. <laughs> He's so good at it, though, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, what I love is it is episodic, and so, the, like, it's not... It's not focused like a lot of these TV series are these days of like one main story throughout the entire thing. And it's always hitting those points. It's like it, it gives you an aside. It gives you, oh, they go to this planet and they uh, and they help these people out and shit. And although, you know, by the time you get to the end, it's going to like it's going to there's going to be some sort of focus on baby Yoda. There's going to be a focus on Werner Herzog's character because there's something else going on there. And, he's betraying people left and right, so it's not even a question that something's going to come to a head here. And it's, it's, uh... Yeah. Like, it, it, it feels like... Um, uh, and the, this is why I, li- I like it so much. It, it reminds me of Rogue One, too, because the Jedi, yeah. the Jedi shit is so in the background. And it's like, you got to think, just the regular everyday people in the galaxy... What do they give a fuck about Jedi's and Sith and all that bullshit? Like that's just a religion to them. Like that's just some kooky religious shit that they probably never even experienced in their entire lives. And especially now, because the Sith are all dead, and yep. the fucking Jedi is pretty much wiped out except for Luke Skywalker. So fucking whiner, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if someone gets information that oh, we got a fucking Yoda baby who's force sensitive. That could mean some big shit if we get a hold of it and use it for our own design. So you know, there's like that's kind of like probably the background plot somewhere. But, I, I just hope that I have kids one day that I can explain them. And I see, see what Luke Skywalker's doing there. He's being a whiny bitch about everything. Okay, he's being yeah. a whiny bitch about everything. So, so is that fucking Kylo Ren who I can't stand. Love, <laughs> love Adam Driver. Hate yeah. Kylo Ren. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can but, separate the the actor from the the role. See. I, I love the series. It, it it doesn't doesn't push the usual Star Wars shit on it. It's just like it's a it's a chill hangout kind of series with cool shit in it and great performances. And I love Carl Weathers in it as yeah. this bounty hunter guild leader who's who's also you know he he respects and kind of likes <sighs> the Mandalorian, but at the same time it's like hey, business is business, motherfucker. Precisely. Yeah. They they have um a scene. <laughs> In which I'm going to call him Squat Nick Nolte because he's alien Nick Nolte and he's really short. And, mm-hmm. I, and um, they have the whole, I guess they're dewbacks or something. It's some kind of lizard. But it's like a whole montage of him riding this thing. Yeah. Rocky esque music. And that's not an accident at all, is it? Just, you know, no. Because Carl Weathers is in this motherfucker. Yep. No, this, this this movie just fucking puts all of its influences right there, out there on its sleeve. Like, it, it's, and I love it. I love that it's not pretentious at all. It's just like, we're going to have really cool Star Wars stories in, a, in the universe and forget all this fucking nerd bullshit. We're going for the cool nerd bullshit. And I've not seen, I have not seen like anyone arguing and like really shit talking about this. Like, it seems like a lot of people just really like this. A lot of the ones who know, you know, where the stuff came from, yeah. you know, and they're not really addressing Yeah, Yeah. We brought up this, we brought up from that. Yeah. I'm sure if there's like some kind of commentaries or something that they will address it. Yeah, we, we, we watched this and yada, 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 yada. And we took from this and, and it, you know, and they did, you know, but mm-hmm. every, every episode has a moment that you take away from, like, wow, like, like episode three had, um, you know, when all the other Mandalorian uh, hunters c- came to his aid and then you see all these jetpacks flying down all at once yeah. shooting people. That was something really special to me because you'd never seen that before on screen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was a nice, it was a nice shootout there, man. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Um, I, I got nothing but love for this series. I love it. And you know, there, there's other good stuff, and I, I am, I'm addicted because I'm a Jeff Goldblum fan of the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Cause, oh yeah, 
just is like, yeah, this episode's about jeans. I was like, you have my attention, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> I was talking about jeans for half an hour and tattoos and ice cream and shit like that. And like, yeah, I'll, I'll listen he's to kinda, it. He's kind of the perfect like kids show host. Like yes. when you think about it, like he he could talk about anything and just like get kids to watch and be interested. Like he's he's got he's kind of got that Bill Nye quality to him, where it's yeah. like he makes everything cool and interesting. So. Yeah, you know, I love I love the fact that I could watch I could sit there and watch cartoons for three hours. Like I, I could watch gargoyles for three hours at a time and mm-hmm. not even think about it. You know, by, by the way, who wants to do a gargoyles podcast? Yo, that'd be spectacular. I talk, remember talk, talk I remember the, the likes of Goliath and Hudson all day long. See, you know, <laughs> I remember really liking the first season, and then I think they got to like the second season, and then it like went seriously downhill. I think if I remember correctly, but I, I, I did I, used I, to watch I, it. I haven't revisited all the way yet. I'm still, uh, I'm still waiting for for the the bottom to fall out, I guess, if you will. But I, I um, I'm liking I'm liking the revisit so far. And uh, yeah. or you could you could revisit the old X Men cartoon with uh, Rogue walking around and bending over and leaning yeah. over and <laughs> that's not bad. That's not bad at all, man. No, no, ain't nothing at all. That's good. That's good news, man. Yeah. But uh, that's about where my, where my list ends that I could recall, and I think uh, it's pretty solid so far. So, yeah, I think we're, we're watching all the good stuff. <laughs> there's, there's some recommends out there, and uh, uh, po- possibly check this out. You know, as a yeah, uh, I only got one more thing I'll mention uh, just really quick, and uh, that's Castle Rock season two. Ooh. Did you uh, watch season one? No, but I'm aware Lizzie Kaplan's a thing on season two, and I'm a oh, fan of her, so. She's so good. She's so fucking good. Uh, season one, I think it alienated a lot of people because it didn't I, feel. I heard very, it was all over the place. That's what I heard. It's not so much all over the place as it didn't. It wasn't very Stephen King-ish. Like, it kind of name-dropped a lot of Stephen King shit. Uh-huh. But the story was very, like, alternate reality stuff and... And it had a couple twists in it that I think kind of left some people scratching their head. I liked it all right. I didn't think it was super strong or anything, but I didn't think it was bad. Gotcha. Um, season two is fucking great, though. Uh, you, you get into Salem's lot, and they don't they they resist the urge to make it about vampires. They uh, they they go a bit deeper into the uh, Jeru- Jerusalem Jerusalem's lot short story. That's sort of the prequel to. Uh, Salem's Lot, where there was like a bunch of evil witch cult shit going on. Does the uh, Sam Fuller character show up? That's all I need to know, man. No, <laughs> that would be cool. That would be so cool if he showed up. But you don't know how much shit I take for loving Return to Salem's Lot. Oh no, <laughs> no, 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 that's that's a fun that's a fun fucking film. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. That that's that's good stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's really good. And I mean, you can kind of buy this this Lizzie Kaplan character as becoming the Annie Wilkes that we, we learned to know in misery. Like she's just the thinner, honestly, more crazy version of Annie Wilkes. I, I, uh, heard, I heard Kathy Bates is very impressed, you know, cause that's the role that she made. And yeah, no, yeah. She, uh, Lizzie Kaplan does a fucking great job. She, she totally honors that role and she makes it her own at the same time. And, I love what they do with the series. Like they, again, they, they name drop a lot of shit. They got some characters from like the novels and the books and stuff like that. Um, and they take them in interesting directions. I mean, there's some really evil shit going on in Salem's lot. That's uh, uh, really nice. Like they got a couple different storylines going along that, and they, that work pretty well and they tied together really well. And they even tied it back to the first series as well to a certain extent. Um, with uh, Skarsgård or whatever his fuck his name is, uh, he shows up again, uh, briefly at least so far, and um, yeah, it's 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 a really intriguing uh, second season. It's it's definitely a lot more interesting than the first season, and uh, I recommend it. Yep. Yeah. Yes. I, I got nothing else. Let's see. Here we draw on about Riverdale and Supernatural. You don't hear that shit though, so I'm, I'm gonna leave that alone. You know. Okay. Uh, yeah, but yeah, we're getting pretty much to to the end of this anyway. So, um, yeah, uh, Gary, thanks so much for uh, offering to jump on. Uh, made this a lot more fun and interesting than it would have been if it was just me doing a solo cast. So uh, I do really appreciate it and. Uh, 
pimp whatever the fuck you want to pimp right now, man, because you got a lot of shit going on. Pimping, pimping, pimping. Um, yeah, we haven't done a show in, in a few weeks, but Sin Beef Podcast is a thing on the Legion Network. We haven't done two drink minimum commentaries in a, in a, a long while, but that's still a thing on the Legion Network as well, legionpodcast.com. Um, I am postponing the Fleas and Flicks charity auction until the spring. I don't know what that date's going to be, but I had a recent tragedy in my life that's uh, forced me to set up a, a, a GoFundMe for a little bit of money for that, but a lot of money for um, whatever's left from that, from whatever else is raised for... Uh, I'm going to donate to um, um, a mental health uh, charity because right my mother suffered from bipolar. She's the one that passed away, people, in case you guys didn't know. And, um, yeah, people have a hard time getting medicine. And my mother was one of those people that if you don't have, like, superb insurance, you know, you can't even go see yeah. a doctor. So it, it, it's 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 a bullshit situation in, in this country and many other countries. And, um <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's well, about it, really. So, yeah, I'll I'll let everybody know about that on my my personal feed, and yeah, it's uh, yeah. No, we'll uh, we'll put the links in the show notes too, if anyone feels inclined to uh, to check that stuff out and throw a few dollars Gary's way, it would be good. So, yeah, that's it though. Uh, fleas and flicks though. Um, like I said, spring. A mm-hmm. uh, couple of added items that I picked up. Uh, over the weekend that she passed away, unfortunately, it was it was a great Saturday. It was a real shitty Sunday, people. Yeah, it's because we got to meet Richard Dreyfus, and I, I have um. I'm he at, wore your hat. <laughs> I, he wore my hat. Yes, he, he uh, insisted on uh, <clears throat> putting on my sweaty fucking hat. I told him it was sweaty. Too. Like it's very sweaty, Mister Dreyfus. Like I don't care. I was like okay. <laughs> and he struck a pose with that motherfucker. My my, my yeah. friend hit the roof to get me the hat. He was very excited. But um, I have a Matt Hooper pop. Pop vinyl signed by him, and uh, it's a very messy signature, but that's just the way he signs stuff. And um, <laughs> Derek Mears, uh, Swamp Thing himself, and Jason Voorhees, and that mm-hmm. remake, he signed us a nice Jason Voorhees picture for you guys to have too. And he signed it real big on there too, so get, get excited. And um, nice. I was excited by my, my, my very first Swamp Thing, I told him, uh, my love for for that character on that show, and of course, Mister Dick DeRock over over those years, mm-hmm. had a lot of love for Mister DeRock. And I got I got to touch his legs. Somebody uh, <laughs> somebody had um, bought prop brought, brought pop props to a uh, con, like Hollywood props, and one of those props was his legs, his his uh, his his, his prosthesis legs from Return of Swamp Thing. Wow! And I, I had to take a picture with him because um, yeah. It's pretty yeah. special. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But that's about it, though. Um, yeah, and she guest spots. You know, I'm, I'm. This is the holiday season, which is the worst time of year for me, anyway. I hate this time of year. So if you have yeah. guest spots on your available podcast, I'll be glad to step in and just shoot the shit and watch whatever. So yeah, I think, I think we can figure some shit out. Um, but yeah. Uh, Check us out. They must be destroyed on site. TMBDOS.podbean.com. You can find all the links there to Facebook, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, all that jazz. I think you, if you've been listening to this podcast for long enough now, you know my usual spiel and you know where to go. And um, if you haven't commented on the Facebook group, uh, that's your own fault. You're a bad person for not doing it. You you should be more involved. You should interact with us like uh, Jeff Williams does and um, and get your own fucking theme month in a couple weeks like Jeff Williams is getting right now where we're covering movies he recommended and that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah go go comment on YouTube. That's his favorite comments. Like you know this by listening to the show. That's his favorite comments. When you do it on the YouTube and talk about <laughs> how Gary made a gay joke at the beginning. Do that for you, you know. <laughs> I'm couple of my sexual I say, hey Lee, you're a handsome dude. You know, be all day long. See? Yeah, it's like uh, you, you see Gary Hill exposing himself as a liar right now on this podcast. It's you, should, you shouldn't say expose yourself because people get really excited when you say expose yourself, and you know, yeah, uh, it happens. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we're, we're we're rambling now. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, you know, we'll be back next time for a regular episode. I, I do have my schedule cleared for next weekend, so we will be back on the the regular schedule. We're going to be doing the uh, Black Cat and Dementia 
which are to Gary, uh, Jeff Williams, uh, suggestions. And, uh, until then, thank you guys for listening. Thank you again, Gary. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and, uh, yeah. Peace out people. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.